Well, it turns out the joke's on me, since I was last in our music league. Sadness. Welcome back to Gaming with Gage and Friends, the podcast where your friends talk about role-playing games. My name is Gage, and my friends this week are... Hey, this is Wayne. I'm Josh. And this is Dot. This week, we're going to do another swan dive, and we're talking about Dot's first time running a game. It actually happened, folks. It People happened. showed up, and they didn't come up with lame excuses about, quote-unquote, work or, quote-unquote, COVID, like health and professionalism. <laughs> Boo. Uh, we're going to have a discussion topic. We're going to talk about GMs making the best players, unless they don't, and then we'll close out the game with a Discord spotlight. So to start off, the Swan Dive Dot's first time GMing, you ran Dot, a original adventure set in East Texas University, probably one of the best settings in role-playing games. Come and fight me. <laughs> and I will say, from my perspective, it was a lot of fun. We gave you some we gave you some feedback on it, but I think for the most part, everyone had fun, everyone had a good time. And you seemed very prepared. I can't imagine why. Uh, Josh, you were also in this game. Wayne sadly wasn't able to make it. I think he was another one of these people with these quote-unquote health things. No, there was also Uh, already five of you. At six is fine. Yeah, a combination (laughs) of the table got full and she reached out to me ahead of time for advice. So I saw her notes when you say Mm -hmm. very prepared. I've seen how much went into that preparation. Speaking of saw saw Dot's notes, Josh, you also saw Dot's notes, but still managed to play with us, right? That's right. And it it helped that I have the short-term memory of a gerbil. What was I saying? (laughs) What was your experience with the game, Josh? Because obviously it was Dot's first time GMing, but you've only played Savage Worlds less than a handful of times. And this, was, I think, was your first experience with ETU. Yes. Yes, it was. First of all, Dot. I had an absolute blast. You were really, really well prepared. I had a tremendous amount of fun. You did a great job. And in spite of all of that, um, you you still seemed so insecure at the end of it. It broke my heart for you. No, I had so much fun, man. And and I did remember a couple of cues from your notes, but truly I had forgotten, you know, 75% of it. But I did know, okay, This is a spot that Dot needs things to move forward, so I'm going to move forward. I had a lot of fun. Dot, I would play with you anytime. Aw, thanks, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and Dot, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the experience from your side of the GM screen? Josh, you hit the nail on the head there. I definitely, towards the end, started to feel a little bit insecure. There were certain aspects that I thought that I was prepared for that I really don't feel like I brought to the game in the way that I envisioned them happening, which I think as a first-time GM, that's a, a very realistic thing to happen. I don't think that anything that occurred during that game was off the wall of like, oh my gosh, this has never happened before. What What are you doing? I think that my biggest faltering moments during the dramatic task. I had it set for three rounds. And during the second round, Chris Hussey uh, decided to completely steal my thunder and took the plot advantage of the third round. So I was caught off guard. Number one, that that was being essentially that story element was being pushed up. And what I had planned for that second round was now being completely dismissed. 
And some of the feedback that he ended up giving me was, hey, add more cinematic elements, add more creepiness here. This this could have been a good place for you to expound on that kind of stuff. And I had to say back to him, yeah, it would have been nice to do that had you not kind of stepped on my toes there, man. But also, I think that's part of having to roll with it. Like, you know, that's that's the improv act aspect. And that was one of the things I knew that I would struggle with up front. The other part was definitely the final combat. I did not love how that went. I know it didn't necessarily go horribly, but mechanics-wise, I felt very unprepared. I was not familiar enough with running a combat from the GM perspective, and I think that was where I started to lose that confidence, and I started tripping over myself and not necessarily knowing which way I wanted to take everything. So I I eventually just got to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm going to kind of just punk out these baddies so that we can get through this because we're getting to the end of the night anyways. And I'm just ready to be past the this feeling now. In hindsight, like I definitely know where I could have done things differently and where I want to make improvements, which I think is the point of that. But overall, overall... I had three goals. One, that you all enjoyed the story, that you all enjoyed me GMing and, you know, playing in this game. Two, that we actually complete the adventure. And three, that I didn't go over time. And I feel like I succeeded on all fronts. I feel (laughs) bad. I feel like the amount of, uh, like, the hard time that I give Chris, because Chris is never under time, so I always give Chris a hard time. I feel bad that that was one of your main goals, because you totally could have gone over time. It would have been fine. No one would have minded. Well, she has been in a number of Swan games that went past one session. Well, those were both run by Chris, right? Yes. One of them was. Well, one of them was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, first of all, I want to officially reserve my spot in your next Swan game. Oh, thanks, Wayne. Get that out of the way now. (laughs) Uh, I'm really curious, though. You reached out to a handful of GMs Mm -hmm. to look over your notes and give you advice. Mm -hmm. I remember one piece of advice I give you is the same piece of advice I give every new GM. You're going to screw up and it's going to be okay. Yep. Nobody knows... Only you know, and it's going to be okay. What was the best piece of advice you got, or did any advice from anyone actually really help you before you ran the game? That, absolutely. Your your advice, absolutely, 100%, just helped me kind of take a step back and relax and not put so much pressure on trying to make it a perfect experience for everyone, because I understand that that's unattainable. logically, realistically, I understand that that's not something that would ever happen, nor would it ever be possible to happen from like a one shot, for example. So giving myself a bit of grace and just letting myself have those moments of frustration or have those moments of a little bit of intimidation, I didn't feel as overwhelmed by them as I thought that I would. And I think that your advice of there's going to be mistakes that happen. Just let them happen. I think that that definitely stood out. I think that's something they don't tell people enough that it's not going to be perfect. You're going to regret things and it's okay. Mm -hmm. There was some feedback that 
I'm, I'm going to continue to call out Chris because unfortunately he's not here to speak for himself, but he did give me like a text wall of feedback to refer to. So very thorough and very thoughtful. And I, I, I do appreciate it. But one of the other things that he uh, pointed out was that during the dramatic task, there was an element that I wanted to include that I ended up divulging to him during that conversation. And he was like, you have to make sure that that ends up in the game the next time you run it. And I think that was a big part of his feedback of like, this is going to be an ever evolving thing. You are going to constantly be tweaking and changing, adding, removing different story elements or interactions, etc., from this particular game and any other games going forward that you choose to run. So recognize when players hang on or push into certain things continue to lean into those topics, continue to lean into those points, because those are going to be the things that drive you to future better experiences. Now, Dot, you, when you shared me uh, shared with me your notes, mm-hmm. I, I, I read them over pretty thoroughly. Uh, I was in the grocery store and standing in front of the milk counter <laughs> for a very long time. Um, <laughs> and I asked you, I didn't really give you any advice. I just asked you a question. How comfortable do you think you'll be when the players do something you didn't anticipate. Mm-hmm. And and you said you thought you'd be very comfortable. How do you think that was now? I think certain things I was comfortable with. Role-play decisions, I, I was a lot easier to... I think role-play decisions were a lot easier for me to navigate. Player that goes off and starts talking to an NPC that I was just going to kind of brush off and not really give any more exposition about, but they latched onto them and, you know, wanted to continue that conversation. That's fine. I can, I can handle that all day long and twice on Sunday, but some of the other things, some of the other derailments, like again, going to pick on Chris, not wanting to leave the dorms when the fire alarm went off. Oh buddy. Did I have a bit of panic <laughs> because I was like, what? Wait, why? <laughs> And I think I actually said that. Wait, why? And being able to kind of twist it a little bit and give him that explanation of, oh, no, this is hint, hint, buddy. This is the way you go in. Yes, I do think that I was a little railroady with it. But I think the reason for that was I wanted to make sure that we completed the adventure. That was my goal. So I was fine with being a little more strict and direct on path than some of that more open agency to just go willy nilly. It sounds like you only needed to railroad Chris though. So that's okay. <laughs> I'm only bring- I mean, And don't we all, <laughs> I'm only bringing up Chris because he's not here. <laughs> well, we talked about that on the night where like, even when, when I ran for Chris, it was the same thing. It's like the whole party is going to the right. And he goes, he's like, ah, but let's see what happens if we go left. I mean, I'm, I also have that mentality sometimes of like, but what if I said, no, I can respect it. I was already nervous enough as it is, so having that bit of contradiction and not necessarily thinking, wait, there's a possibility for them to not want to leave a building that they assume is on fire? What? <laughs> I will give the other perspective of Chris. Of I've run for him a few times and not had him do that at all. Yeah, so. yeah. I think it's it, not an every game thing. No, no. And I, I'm not it's trying to... It's just ETU. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I'm not trying to imply that. To... More directly answer your question, Josh. I think that I was as prepared as I could be 
based off of what I wanted to accomplish. Well, then you should be damn proud of yourself. Oh, thanks. <laughs> my feedback was more mechanical because mm-hmm. you're playing my favorite game. Yeah. Um, I do think that you kind of, there was a couple of moments where, and this is system knowledge and this comes from GMing a bunch of games and this is so far and away from being important because like everything you did was great and we had a great time and that's what's really important. But just being a new GM, there's some things, some tools that you had that you kind of put on a shelf. Mm-hmm. And I know we talked about like uh, using cards for dramatic tasks. Yep. It's like right off the bat, you get to pick the skill that someone's doing instead of them. That's a great opportunity to start pushing in some of those moments, even if we're in the golf cart. Mm-hmm. You know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I know we talked about the last combat. Uh, it, it, combat in any system is hard, like especially the first time you run it. And Savage Worlds is difficult to run combats in. I don't care who you are. It's a weird system. It Part of what I like about it is how weird combat is. Mm-hmm. Um, I did love the moment when I believe it was Dave was like, I go under the legs. I'm going to go get the, I'm going for the MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. And you were like, but, but so early in the combat for you to be going yeah. for the MacGuffin. Yeah, you pointed out that the, oh, hey, is she wearing this thing that you pointed out earlier on? Is this the thing that we're supposed to be going after right off the bat? Like, I didn't even have the chance to make you make a check for it. And I was like, ah. I remember scene one when yep. you were like, here's a MacGuffin. Is that in this last scene? Is Chekhov's gun here? Has it been fired yet? Yep, pretty much. Which, I mean, is fine. Was perfectly fine. I think I think you made me do uh, a check on it because I was the archaeology student. Uh, in the beginning. Recognize- uh, that, that's right. That's right. That was in the, the beginning. beginning. Yes. Yeah, yeah. In the beginning, I did make you make a. I did have you make a check. But once we got to the final combat, Gage just kind of looked in the camera and was like, hey, is she wearing that necklace thing? And I was like, yep, she really is. <laughs> I will never understand the people that talk about how combat is their crutch it's the easy thing for them because for me i am so so much more comfortable with running npcs and interacting and i feel like once the combat happens i've lost a bit of control Mm -hmm. yes i i agree with that and that's really funny because for me, combat is what I, I will plan a combat session if I am feeling lazy or I don't have enough time to prep my normal session. I will say the other bit of GM advice that I got from Chris verbatim, he said, don't be afraid to be a little mean to your PCs and players. So, I mean, I will have to take that to heart. So Wayne, I'm sorry, you've already enlisted yourself for You're my next game. Just, just uh, you wait. <laughs> Uh, and so, so there's a couple of things that we're talking about here. Last thing I wanted to say uh, is, Dot, I know part of the reason the, ne- the necklace was obviously important. You had all these themes and characters that were running from top to bottom through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, now that you've run, do you feel like you were over-prepped, under-prepped, or exactly prepped? I was perfectly prepped. Perfectly prepped. All right. This is where we've talked about this before. Uh, style has a lot to do with it. And uh, your notes would have been enough for me to run a campaign. But if that's where your comfort level is, I'm glad to hear that it was exactly what you needed. I'm going to share my notes with you after this, Gage. I will not read them. Okay, I'm fine. just going to be completely honest I was with more you. so There's wanting you to no just... no way that I will read them. I was more so just wanting the like quick peek of like, oh gosh, yeah, no, this is... I will halfway <laughs> scroll and probably give up. Uh, <laughs> just to be fully honest. So we're talking about GMs making the best players. In some ways, I kind of feel like you you kind of got to start off in easy mode. 
not to disparage what you did, but everyone who was playing had has GM'd before. Uh, you have some people who are more often GMs. Chris, often GM, unless it's a one-shot. Me, same thing. I'm, I'm very often a GM. Josh was another one of the players. Dave and Andrew. So it's all these people who are very familiar with running games, the difficulties and the traps that you can fall into. This gives you a certain security mm -hmm. that no one's trying to break your game. And I think sometimes players don't realize that they're trying to break the game. Wayne, your wife started off a game telling me by the way, it's our job to break your game. You're the game master. It's your job to keep it on track, which is like, I walked into it going, all right, bet. This is the type of night we're having. Let's do it. It was really funny. Um, but you had a group of people who were like, oh, this is where the plot hook is. We're going to move this way. And I think that's a really, I think it's a good way to start off. Uh, and I kind of want to talk about where the truth of this comes from. GMs making the best players and the times when they don't. Um, I'm a mm -hmm. firm believer. There are times where I will read someone who is a game master talking about their campaign or talking about the way their players are acting. And I, and I will say, and you, you probably see me do it in discord before I'll say, Hey bud, when's the last time you played? Because it sounds like yeah. you haven't played in a while and you've forgotten. You think your players are, are doing X, Y, and Z, but they're not, they're just being players. And I think you need to, to recalibrate. So there, there are those extremes. But what are some of the things that make GMs the best players? I think there's something to just knowing what it's like. I've run for a lot of GMs, and sometimes I can look at a specific one and know that they will help me out. If a situation happens, they can see what I'm going for, and they're not going to do something to completely derail what I'm going for with the scene. They're going to help me build the scene. Because I've done the same for them. You know, I've been in those situations. I've seen where suddenly something happened they didn't think of. And I can stall for time for them while they're thinking of something. That is incredibly helpful. I think you can also look at the GM and see things that you struggle with yourself. That's exactly something that happened, too. Because there was kind of a break in role play for the moment and again i'm gonna pick on chris he went on like a five ten minute rant about business economics in that was the philippines. amazing that was, was amazing and he he should have all of the bennies and 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 conviction and i i had to mute because i was cackling in my kitchen listening to him in character go on a rant about business and finance i lost my mind it was phenomenal and it also was a perfect moment for me to like recalibrate for a second recollect myself and get back into like i i was able to read through my notes for a couple minutes <laughs> <laughs> as funny as that is so a couple minutes so you got like eight percent through your notes <laughs> okay i i was able to utilize that time to prep for what was coming next and actually have an idea of what i wanted to say instead of just looking at my notes and being like um so what do you guys want to do <laughs> which helped i do absolutely feel like the five of you were a security blanket to some degree 
I also don't want to in any way, shape or form, give you the impression that any of you made it easy for me because you absolutely did not. (laughs) Uh, Okay. We were difficult RP wise. Like we were difficult role players. Sure. But the game part, I felt like we were very easy. Well, everyone except except for the the Chris in the burning building was the one moment where I was like, I also was kind of like, Chris, come on, man. We're all going downstairs. Let's do the thing. (laughs) It's fine. I'm actually a really big proponent. Uh, I'm I'm an extremely high effort GM. I put a lot of time into prep. I like prep. And so I'm a big proponent of if I know where the story is going, sit down, put on your seatbelt, and enjoy the ride. Just go that direction. I, I, I like that as a player. And so I was trying to do that for you. I know I was a bit of a, a, of a jerk uh, as Josh, but as my character, I was trying to do that for you. No, you. there were a few times where I know that there were things happening in the gift channel because I wasn't paying attention to it at all. I know that there were a couple things happening in the gift channel that distracted a few of you. So there was some moments of like boisterous laughter and I just didn't know what was going on. So I was like, what I miss? (laughs) That's GMing. Don't don't open the gift channel. Yeah. Yeah, As a player, I love the channel. As a GM, I won't go in it while I'm running. Yeah. No, I would have gotten way too distracted. I'll check later. Here's an interesting thing. Now you've GMed. Yes. Obviously, you've, you've only GMed the one time. We're super excited that you've done it. I'm glad that you want to do more, that you're going out and you're purchasing things and you're like, I'm ready. Is there anything that you can think of? And I don't think you've had a chance, maybe, or maybe you have had a chance to play since you ran. Is there anything that just the experience of having run a game that you're like, yeah, I need to change A, B, or C about the way that you play? I mean, you're already a pretty accommodating player. Like, I don't mean to say that, like, I don't mean to be like, now, Dot, you see what we all deal with from you. No, I'm not trying to say that. Uh-huh. But was there anything that you're like, oh, this is a place where I could be maybe a more helpful player? That's actually a really good question. Occasionally, I do come up with them. Yes. Uh, I used to do this interview show. Maybe you've heard of it. I think recognizing when other players need to interact with each other versus interact with the GM. There were points in the beginning where I felt like I was just giving way too much back and forth between NPCs setting up stage, and I wasn't giving you as players enough time to interact with the NPCs individually. And instead, you guys relied on role-playing with each other before role-playing with the NPC because I was already doing all of that work for you. So as a player, recognizing those opportunities to step forward and interact with an NPC and interact with players versus just letting a GM expound for an extended period of time to just develop plot. That's one of the things for me as a GM that brought me that I brought back into being a player was looking around the table for the quiet players, the ones that the GM is trying to bring in. Sometimes it's easier for another player to bring them in than it is for the GM. That's a really good point. Yeah. 100%. And briefly, before we move on to our Discord spotlight, let's talk about this this other concept. The eternal GM or or these GMs who have, who have lost that loving player feeling. Uh, yeah. What are some of these pitfalls here that we've seen? Okay. The biggest one for me that I've seen, and uh, I've seen a few from eternal GMs. One of them is the inability to let go of GMing. While they are a player, they are still trying to run the game from the player's seat. 100%. Trying to build the world around them, trying to throw out you know things for the rules. 
and generally just taking the spotlight because they're used to running it. I actually find that I fall victim to that quite a bit. The spotlight taking and trying to run the show. It's why I tend to pick useless characters. <laughs> like when I play like in, in, in your game dot, I played a character who was very, very catty and very petty, but not very useful. Because I've I've fallen victim to that. I've been personally victimized by the character that you played, so <laughs> I don't think that that I don't think that that stands, Gage. I think that you need to rethink um, your position. I need on to that. rethink and review. Yeah. Okay. I will. I will go back to that as well. I I fall victim to it too, and I actually keep a timer. Right. Like I'll look at the time, and I will say, okay, it's been a minute and a half that I've been talking. I'm done. I'm done with the scene and I'm not going to say anything for the next four, five, ten minutes, whatever it is, because like I do the exact same thing. Yeah, I've had to as a player really pay attention to that. Or if I'm going to take a spotlight, I need to very quickly kind of what you're talking about, Dot. I need to very quickly find another player uh, to have in this scene or to hand it off. Like, you know, like in, in your game, it was like, let's go find this alcohol. And I turned I think it was Chris's character. And I was like. Or, or Josh might have been your character too. Be like, hey, let's do this thing. Josh, you know this, guy, you know, mm-hmm. very quickly because if because I will, I, I have a I have a microphone in front of my face right now. I I will be happy to talk for for ten, twenty, thirty minutes. Yeah. One of the other things I see, it's not so much a behavior at the table, but the eternal GMs will tend more so than just a casual GM to judge how the the current GM is actually doing things. They'll spend their whole time, instead of thinking about what their character would do, they'd think about, if I were running the game, I would have done this, or that's not how that rule should have been done. And it doesn't come out as much at the table, I think, but it's just an attitude that overall permeates the person. 100%. Another one that I was just thinking of is in terms of character creation. As a GM you're rarely stunted for getting to tell the stories that you want to tell. Whereas a player, someone who is a player often always has another character concept ready to go of that is more story driven because they have something they want to do as a GM. You kind of get to do all that. So you can fall into the place where when you finally are playing, you're doing something that's maybe mechanically motivated. Maybe that's a little outside of left field. Like I know when Andrew ran, uh, he took some the one ring adventures and ran them for, for us in Savage Worlds. And for me, it's like, I get to play Savage Worlds because so often I'm running it. And we built, and, and me and, and, and Shaggy, we built these monsters where <laughs> they're like, their parry was like, I think my parry was a 10. His parry was a 9. Our toughness was stupid. Like, every time we walked into a combat, Andrew was like, well, I, I guess arrows? Maybe arrows will work. But it was that thing of like, I had a little bit of story stuff, but I always get to tell my stories. I, I never get to play with my, my, my mechanics. And so I ended up making this oddball kind of character that was kind of min-maxed because I never get to play that way. But that can be really frustrating as a GM when someone's entire character development is based on like the stats on the sheet. Just nods from everybody. Okay. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, that, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Those are some good words there, Gage. Does everyone just, just everyone just like, yep. Cool. Uh, so moving over into our Discord spotlight. Uh, so for those of you who listen to the show, you probably know that we have a Discord. Uh, we're not shy about it. We talk about it often. <laughs> this is where we have our Swan Knights. So if you ever want to come in and you want to try Savage Worlds, 
this is what something that we run every Monday night. It's where Dot's first game was. It's probably where Dot will recruit her next games. It's where we record these episodes. It's where we have writing prompts. It's where we talk about movies and television shows and video games that we're playing. I say there's a brand new music league. Oh, music league so fun. So this is going to come out in a few weeks. So we'll be t- gearing, getting towards the end of our first round of music league. For anyone who's unfamiliar, uh, there's different themes every week and everyone who's in the league submits the song. Uh, once all the songs have been submitted, a playlist is generated in Spotify and you can go listen to all the songs and put points in there. And Dot is just embarrassing the rest of us. Dot yep. is so far ahead. But don't worry, you won't be in last because Chris is on. Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> this isn't last. That's so bad. Um, so, yeah. So, if you're hearing this now, the odds are good that we're still in this season of the Music League. But feel free to join the Discord and go in there and start chatting. I think one of the things that we'll probably do learning from doing this the first time is I think ev- I'm going to have everyone for the next season of the Music League submit a category. So, every week, it'll be something different that was added by the users and ca- instead of me just Googling what is good music league category? Uh, <laughs> we'll have some investment there. Today's category that just closed and just did the voting is songs over seven minutes. I think next week might be songs that have a color in them. Yes. I don't remember. I made them, but I forget what they are. But yes, music league is very, very cool. Uh, the Discord is a great place to get together and do stuff. And there, that's not all there is. There's gaming, there's music, there's TV. Uh, there's occasional pictures of Dot or my own child uh, looking pretty adorbs. Oh, yeah. Um, so come on in, hang out. At this point, I think most people who listen to the show are in the Discord. Um, if not, come into the Discord and tell me I'm wrong. See? Uh, and until then, thank you, uh, Josh. Thank you, Wayne. Thank you, Dot. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for being my friends. Everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, we will check you next week.